Our Heavenly Father, I come before you today, and I just thank you for another wonderful day. And I thank you for a new year, and I just pray this one will be better than the last. And I thank you for this gathering. Thank you for John, that we can, even though we won't be going to church tomorrow because of this shutdown, that we can have church here today. And yeah, Lord. Thank you for everything. I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 It's a good. You want to hear something about what happened in the states in Texas? They can't have church either, so uh, a bunch of people decided Walmart's open. Let's have church there. So they wanted in Walmart. They had their church there. Yeah. I thought that was the best. All were like singing and worshiping yeah. and just lifting their hands and they raised the roof. Yeah, awesome. awesome. church just closed, they couldn't do it. Let's get a Walmart. Walmart Costco would their, be good. Bring the church to Walmart, they said. Yeah. They did. Yeah. That's the thing, you can't... I, was, I forget who I was talking to the other day. I was like, it's... The church buildings are closed, right? But it's impossible to close the church. It's impossible. True. People are the church. No building. They close the building. They close the building. They can't close the church. We are the church. The people are the church. God lives inside of people now, not in buildings. The Old Testament, he lived in a building. That's when hey, God couldn't be. You want to come down here? <laughs> yeah. That's good. But, uh, I was thinking over the... Over the break, like, man, I probably got like five, six, <laughs> five, six different messages or whatever. But, uh, what I felt to talk about today, I just titled it Prayer and Intimacy. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Being intimate with God. You know, a good way to think, to remember intimacy like well first off like what can what do you think of when you think of being intimate very close yeah close how close like this close yeah yeah Yeah, that's good. Like this close, like getting married, right? That's very good. One way I, I always remember to, when I hear the word intimacy, a good way to think of it is if you break up the word, it's into me see. That's how God sees it, and that's how we, how I'm intimate with my wife. I see her. I can look at her in a crowded room and know she wants to go home without her saying anything. You know? Stuff like that. Like, I'm sure every married couple is like that. You, you can read that person. She doesn't even have to be looking at you. Then you just know, oh, she's uncomfortable right now. Or she's really happy. Or, yeah, that's her happy place or whatever. Like, you, you can know people without even talking, without even looking at them even looking at you. So, this is like, I believe personally that our level of being intimate with God, everything comes from that place. 
if you can be as intimate with, with, with anyone, you're, you can be your best friend or your wife or your husband or whatever, and you can't be that way with God, then there's, there's a little, there's a blockage there. There's something that can be more, you know? And like the first step, I, I believe, to get to that place is, I call it a want to. I have to want to. Like, how would we just throw out anything that comes to your mind? How would we be intimate with God? Did you say hi, John? <laughs> Sounded like it. Hi. <laughs> Should be high low first, right? <laughs> or at least that. <laughs> Something along that. <laughs> Hi, John. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. So can anyone think of anything? How, could we, how can we be intimate with God? An invisible God that we can't see. Yeah. Worship. How? How worship? Like singing to him. Like yeah. And remember, when we're talking about intimacy, we're talking about like close, super close. How do we be super close with God? Getting to know Him by reading His Word and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good answers. All good answers. And those. Thank God about everything that we do, like how we Him and everything, like in every little bit that we do. Into it. Totally. Like if I look at my phone and see my text messages from, from today, yeah. <laughs> I'll probably have, I don't know, probably 20 text messages from Steph. And I was with her all day. You know, I went to grocery shopping for an hour or so. But like, we're always constantly communicating, constantly talking, constantly know what's going on because we love each other. We just want to know what's going on in each other's lives, right? And the same thing with God. Like, there's a place to, to pray and to talk to God and to worship. You can do that anytime when you're with people or you're in the car or whatever. But the intimate time is when no one's looking, no one's asking you to, no one's telling you to. You want to do it. I'm going to lock myself away and just sit with God and just talk to God. Have nothing, no other distractions. Like, so I want to make like a clear distinction between like being intimate with God and just a, just a normal relationship. Which is good and we need both and we need all of it. It's n- nothing's better than the other. But I think being, having that intimate time with God like for me, when I, when I spend time with God like that, I don't want anyone around. No one needs to know that I'm doing it. It's just me and God. And I don't tell anybody what I'm doing because it's none of their business. And same thing when I'm with my wife. When I want to be in, intimate with Steph, it's no one's business. I'm hanging out. We're getting to, get to know each other in all the different ways that we can. Right? So like being intimate with God in in prayer is 
basically, to break it down, is communicating with God in all its forms. Like you were saying, worship. Like we can worship to music. We can pray. We can just sit and listen. Like this is kind of a, the last, last week we had this kind of a continuation from that. If, you, if, any, if anyone remembers what we talked about. Um, yeah. Everything I am is because of my intimate time with my, my daddy, my God. He's my dad. He's my heavenly father. And when you're intimate, I never call my dad father. I say, hey, father, how are you? That'd be weird. I call him pops, hey, dad. Right? That's intimate. I, he knows... If I say, hey, Pops, on the phone, he knows it's me. Right? Like, you, you talk different, you act different around people that you're intimate with. And, like, I know it's, like, countless hours and days and months and years where I just want to spend with God because I'm just totally, totally in love with God. I, like, stop certain hobbies or certain things that I used to do because I'm, like, that time, I want to spend it with the one I love. Like, this is the place where everything grows, where everything can grow. Like, in that place, you'll have, you'll get all the knowledge you need from God and all the wisdom and everything you need for your day and whatnot. Yeah, so my relationship with God is, is when no one else is around. That's the most, that's the most important time. Like when we're, when we're here at a Bible study or we're, when we go to a building on Sunday, when we hang out with God there and meet with people and fellowship and worship and pray and do what we do, that's great and should be done. But the time when no one's looking, when no one cares, when it's not the religious thing to do, you know, like. If you, if you tell any stranger on the street that you're a Christian, what's the, what's the first thing they ask you? What church do you go to? I always ask you that. What church do you go to? What, why is that the first thing you ask? <laughs> what church are you going to? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and the reason, the reason behind, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to be intimate with God? But the reason people ask what church you go to, because I think there's so many people, they have not figured that out yet, that the church doesn't mean anything. But they have different rules in different places, and that's what they're hanging on to, the different rules. Yeah. I think people, people ask those questions are they still think Christianity is a religion, mm-hmm. just another religion. Are you Buddhist? Are you Hindu? Are you Christian? Are you atheist or whatever? That has nothing to do with rules and regulations. That was the old covenant. No, we're not any anymore. But the question you have, why would you want to be close yeah. to feel the love? To feel the love, like... Sarah, she wants to be just by me because she feels secure, she feels love. And and that's the same with me. 
but but I love him yet. Mm. I think for me, but at least. Okay. Is it? Don't raise your hands or say anything. I just want to ask this question and you answer it yourself in your heart. Do you want to be with God? Do you really want to be with God? Because that's, you'll never be intimate with God. You'll never get to that place. There will always be an excuse. You're too tired or there's something good on TV or we got to go somewhere or I got to clean up dinner or I got to make dinner or or whatever. There will always be excuses. But if you can say in your heart, I want to be with God. If you want to do something, you'll do it. If you don't want to do something, you won't do it. It's just that simple. Very easy. And if you're not at that place, you're not condemned. Don't hear that voice to say you're a bad person. But you can make a choice at any time. I want to know you more, God. And then when you will know when that's true in your life, when you do it. So you can, you can judge yourself and see. That's a good thing to do all the time as Christians. Just take account of our lives. Okay, this, past, this year has just passed. Have I grown at all? Have I spent time? Do I know God more than I did last year? Or whatever. It's very good to look at ourselves. <laughs> I said this uh, last time we were together too, but if you see something in someone you like, you can't just hear it and get it, right? You have to do it. So if you're hearing, if you're listening to good podcasts or listening to the Bible or listening in this Bible study and you don't do anything that has been taught, that's pointless. You're just filling your head with knowledge, and the Bible says that knowledge will puff you up. Knowledge will make you proud if you don't practice. Because after a while, if you get all this information, you get all the Bible knowledge, you know everything there is to know, and you never do it, after a while, your life will condemn you. Your mind will be like, oh, I know all this, but I don't do it. And then the Bible works against you. It condemns you, and it makes you feel bad. I know what to do, and I didn't do it. I know what to do, and then... So that's a, that's a horrible place to be. So just because we know a bunch of stuff and we can talk really good and have an answer to everyone that asks the question, that's those people that... Very scary, that verse in the Bible where Jesus says, Hey, Lord, we, we prayed and we, we cast out demons and we did all this. And Jesus said, Get away from me. I never knew you. They even did all that stuff. And they still didn't know God. And then there's people who just know so much and love to debate and love to prove that they're right and that they know more than the other guy. But never actually do it. That's that's very horrible. That sucks. Um, yeah, I've dispersed many times. James one twenty two. It says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If you're just a hearer and not a doer, you're 
lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You're making something that isn't... Yeah, you're confusing yourself. That's in James 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. So you still have to hear, but not just hear. You deceive yourself. That's worse than the, someone else deceiving you, right? The devil deceived Eve. Imagine if Eve just was talking to herself. Oh, that looks good. No, that's bad. Don't do it. No, yeah, it's very good. Oh, okay. You're a crazy person then. Yeah. So, like, don't let anything, like, steal away. Like, like I said at the beginning, like, the intimacy with God is, that's where, in my life, I know everything has come from. Hours and months and years spent in my room praying, worshiping, reading the Bible all the time. I feel like I have no room to do anything anymore. Working long hours and whatever I'm doing. But somehow I still find to get like three hours of Bible reading in a day or whatever. I just don't watch that show or I don't sleep on the drive to work. I read or put headphones in or something. Like there's always time. Right? And like these are, this is just a little list of things that can like take your place, take God's place of or being intimate with God. Okay? You want to be intimate with God. And this is what can take away that intimacy. Going to church, coming to Bible study, work, being a mom, being a dad, that stuff, and tons of other things. We can think, okay, we're, we're being with God. We're being with God right now. This is good. Going to church, that's good. But it's not the intimate place. People are around here. But, I tell you a secret though, you can still be intimate with God in places like this. But for a lot of people, it's very hard. Especially at the beginning of your walk with Christ. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be at all. It can be right away, you can be like that. And we're going to try... We're going to do some worship at the end. That's why I got... We're here... I got some, uh, just a couple songs, and all the words will be on the TV, so you can all see. And we can be as intimate with God as we want to be, and as we can be. And it's all, all up to us. And like, it's not to prove anything to anyone, no one's proven anything to anyone. The, the purpose of it is to worship God, to love God. And we can be in this place, a room full of people, just like at, at church or any gathering, you can, there can be a thousand people, you can close your eyes and see you and God. And you can, you can come to a place where you can sit there, a thousand people open your eyes and worship God and scream and cry and say anything you want. And it doesn't matter. You don't care what anyone thinks. I said that thing uh, a little while ago. If you are... If you're on fire for God, right? Like no one's gonna, nothing bothers you. So like if you're actually on fire, if I pour gas on you and light you on fire, 
But what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about your friend that said a bad word to you today? No, you're thinking, get this fire out. Like, I'm burning to death. You just think about that thing. That's the same thing. When you're on fire for God, you've seen people like that. I know you have. Seen someone who's just so in love with God, you're just attracted to them. You want to be with that person. You want to be next to that person. You talk about that person to your friends. Like, I want to be like that person. Because he didn't care what anyone thought. He, was, he didn't have that little afraid, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. What are they going to think about you? You're going to be that crazy Christian freak. That was those dumb things, you know? Yeah. Anyways, that's what we're going to do at the end. Um, in uh, John 17, 3, does someone want to read that out? Maybe if someone wants to read it out in the New King James Version. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you sent. <coughs> so, what is eternal life? According to the Bible, right here. Getting to know God. To know God. So being saved, being born again, whatever you want to say, is not about going to heaven. I know, I remember when that was up and up and you know what that did to me. Yeah. Well, you just think about it. If getting saved, now you're, now you're in God and he's in you and you're changed. If it's about going to heaven, why, why are we still here? Why does God just torture us on earth, right? <laughs> just leave us here. It's not about that. Jesus doesn't talk about that. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. And he's talking about that's inside. He said, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. It's not there. If someone says, go over there and look, there it is. Don't believe them. He said, the kingdom of God is inside of you. The kingdom of God is a way of living, a way of thinking, a way of being, just like Jesus. That's why it says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus is, he is the physical representation of God. He is God in the flesh. So everything that he did, we can do, we're commanded to do. That means the way he thinks, the way he acts, the way he talks, the way he walks, the way he doesn't talk, you know, everything. It's like that will, that will change your life, knowing him. And in this place of intimacy, that's when you get to know him. That's when you get to know someone like you don't know anyone else. Like, I've only been with, with Steph, 
how many years have I known her now in total? Maybe four or five years, maybe. I've known mom and dad my whole life. I know her better than I know them. Because I spend every waking moment with them and I want to spend every waking moment with her. Like, that's the thing, like, that's an encouragement. Even if you've only known God a short time, you can know him better than you know everyone and anything else. It doesn't work the same with God as it does with people. He's everywhere all the time, knows what you're thinking, knows what you're feeling, knows that you don't want to feel the way you feel or say the things you want to say or whatever. He's just the best. And also, like, when you, when you get into these places of, of being intimate with God, you want to be able to see yourself the way that he sees, or else you'll always just be thinking selfish, you know? Always thinking to myself. So you'll want to see yourself like he sees. Like, Pancho, how does God see you? What does God think about you? Uh, does he love you? Yeah. God loves you. It's the first thing you get into intimate place with God. Thank you, God. You love me. You love me like crazy. Nothing ever changed that. Have to know that you're loved. Have to know that you're holy, that you're blameless, you're without a single fault. And you have to know that you have all you need. You know that that uh, <coughs> scripture. Uh, it's in Psalm somewhere. It is one nineteen, I think. For the Lord is my shepherd. Can anyone finish that? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be want. I shall not be in want. Me down and green pasture. Yeah. Well, it's that first part. And and uh, I think it's the New Living Translation says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I shall not want. Because why? I don't need to want. Why? Because I already have everything. And we are already in, in the blessing of God. You know in Deuteronomy, if you guys have read Deuteronomy, that there's a list of curses... In a list of blessings. Right? So this was the in the Old Testament that uh, says if you obey the if you don't obey the voice of your God, all these curses will come upon you. And that's a huge list. And then it says, But if you do obey the voice of the Lord, all these blessings will come upon you. Like a big list. Talks about like your cupboards being full. Talks about like you being a lender, never being a borrower. So you always have enough money. You always have enough money to give. You always have food. You always have good health. You always have all this stuff. Like huge list of blessings. And we as believers are in that blessing now. Not because we did. Not because we obeyed the voice of our God. But because Jesus did it. He could actually do it. And he transferred all that stuff to us. (coughs) That's just incredible. So like knowing that. I have all that I need. It's like there was a time not long ago, a couple years ago, where I found it so hard to ask God for anything. Cause I got I just that I got that revelation. I have all that I need. All the blessing that there is, I don't need to pray for blessing one more time. The Bible says that I have it. If I'm constantly asking it, that means that I don't know what I have. 
means I'm a millionaire, but I never check my bank account. You know? And we can only receive all those blessings when we believe it. Even though you have it. <laughs> so that's a really good place to be for, to be intimate. And to know that you're a son and a daughter. You're not a slave of God. God doesn't use you to do anything for him. You're not his little slave. That language, I kind of, I took that language out of my, out of my mouth a little while ago. I forget how long ago. But like saying that God uses me to do stuff, even good stuff. God doesn't use me to do anything. He gives me the privilege as his son. He sends me off to help people, to bless people, to do whatever. To start this ministry or do whatever. Like he trusts me. So he sends me out as his representative. He doesn't use me because like, imagine if you just, you just had kids and you just got, had a bunch of kids because you get a bunch of money from the government and that was your purpose, right? Or you just had a bunch of kids so they could be your workforce, right? No one, does, no one who loves their kids has that as a purpose. If they do, that's like kind of child abuse, you know? <laughs> you know? So God doesn't use us. He, if you have the opportunity and you get enough courage to go out and, and do anything for God, pray for a stranger on the street. God's not using you to do that. He's giving you an opportunity. And then you get rewarded for it still. He says he still rewards you. If you he says if you give even a, a cup of cold water to, to someone, to any stranger or whatever, you're doing it for him. The littlest of blessing, you're doing it for God. And God says he rewards us for according to what we do. He gives us a reward when he tells us something and sets it all up and does it anyways. Like that's incredible. Um can someone read out first Timothy one five? of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with the love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. So what's the purpose? Love. Or, that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, clear conscience, and genuine faith. Does anyone have another translation? I just want to get it all. I'll read out mine. This is the Holman Christian Standard Version. It says, Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. All is what we learn as you told, so to love it, I'm rendered hard, I'm going to give us and I'm starting to love So, What's he talking about? What, in, what instruction? What God's talking about, all of the instruction, everything as a Christian, we're instru- from the Word of God, the purpose of everything is to love. 
to be sincere and have a good conscience. This is the purpose, to love. So this is the goal of everything. All the time. You always come back to love. And it like... I feel like I have to constantly go back 1 Corinthians 13 and read what love is all the time. Because love is so simple. And then so often I just forget it. I think love's something else. Maybe we'll just go there right now. And read 1 Corinthians 13. Um, start at verse 4. So this is all love is. Love. Oh, wait. I'm going to read in the amplified version because I love it. Love endures long and is patient and kind. When's the last time you had a conversation and you just couldn't wait till it was over? You just had, didn't want to listen anymore. You heard someone at work just never shuts up or whatever, you know? Love endures long and is patient and is kind. Jesus would sit there until he's done because he wants to. Because he's kind. He prefers them. He doesn't care about his time. He cares about their time. You know? Those little things. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. You know what that means? Does not display itself like a prostitute. Doesn't show, show everything. Show yourself, you know? It is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly. It has manners. Does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. You just think of that one there. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. So God is love, and we're supposed to become love. does not insist on its own rights or its own way. I see so many stories in the news or other people like Christians just fighting for their rights. Keep your church open. Keep the, doing that. Love doesn't do that. Love don't care. Love loves anyways. Love finds a way to love people. They're not fighting and trying to be... They're... That dead person trying to keep them awake, you know? We're talking about if you're dead, if you're dead to your old life and you're alive to Jesus, that person don't care if you take his rights away. He's dead. The guys in the Bible, the, the disciples and Jesus, what happened when they, their rights got taken away? They got beat and stoned and killed. And they praised God in prison. They're singing songs. Just like this is awesome. We were called, like, this is a privilege that God gave us to do this, that we could, we can live like Jesus did, you know? They could suffer along with Jesus. Okay, let me finish this. <laughs> it's just so good. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. 
It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Man, that's good. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. That's a good one. Believing the best in every person. When you see someone doing wrong, when... What's an example? If Steph is really tired all day from holding the baby and she says something cranky out of character, I don't take that personally. I love you. I'm not, you're not saying that if she says something bad to me, it's like, oh, shut up or whatever, which she would never say. But if she would say something that, I can't take that personally. Love never. Oh, where's that? I was ever ready to believe the best in every person. I believe the best in her shirt. She's tired. That's not what she meant. I know who she is. She loves me, you know? Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. You know how it says in here, like, all and always, all the time, forever. It's very, like, black and white. This is how it is. There's no other way to misinterpret it. It's just all the time. There's no special circumstance where you can, where you're allowed to, you know? Uh, is ever ready to believe the best in every person. His hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Never comes to an end, ever. So that's love. The goal of our instruction is to love. Is to do that, to live like that, to be like that, for that to become us. It's not to just get in our prayer closet and talk to God for an hour and just ask him for all these things. God, give me this, give me that, help me to have a better boss, a better workplace, give me more money, less hours, a better house, a better car, my car sucks, my friends don't call me, blah, blah, blah. All about me, all inward, all about this. Those things are fine to pray. Just don't make it the bulk of your prayers, you know? That's fine. And God knows already before you even say what's going in your heart. But yeah, the goal of our instruction is to love. And love does not think about me. Even though stuff is going on in my life, thank you, God. I know what the word says. The word says that I have all that I need. God, help me to see what I have. That I can't see. And the more we get into the word, then we see that more. Um, I'm going to go to Matthew 11, 25 to 26. This is Jesus praying. Okay. So Matthew 11, 25 to 26. This is in... NLT says at that time Jesus prayed this prayer O Father Lord of heaven and earth thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike yes Father it pleases you to do it this way 
I'm going to read that same verse in the Message Bible. It says, Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. So to be childlike, these children, they have no care in the world. They don't care what anyone's saying, what everyone's talking about them. They don't care if they got a poopy diaper. They don't care anything. They care about kissing that baby, playing with other babies, you know? Thank you. Like, in that respect, we're supposed to be innocent like that towards God. And we can become that intimate. Somewhere down the line, the world has taught us that's not okay. You're grown up now. Don't do that. Act this way. But God says that's the way that he works. He reveals his secrets and his stuff. Everything that he is to the child. Like, yeah. So Christianity is not, not just about the blessings. We have the blessings, and that's good. And when we know the blessing, all the blessings that God has for us, like, it will change your whole life when you know that. You, like me at that time, when I started figuring that out, I'm like, what, what do I pray now, God? How do I talk to you? Like, my whole prayer life has changed because I'm asking for this and asking for that. It's always asking God for stuff like he's a genie. Like, you're a magic genie. If I pray things and that, you'll give them to me. Like, I got to know love. I'm not about myself. It's the hardest thing because the, well, when we don't know Jesus. Because when we don't know Jesus, life is just about me. It's about me all the time. People going to work, trying to make themselves wealthy or, or trying to make a name for themselves. Every single person, is, oh, not every, most people, most young people have some kind of like social network account, an Instagram or a Facebook or something, and got some kind of following. You know, a eh, hundred followers or 10,000 followers, whatever, like self-promotion. Everyone is looking at self. Facebook. Everyone's Facebook account is about you. It's about you and what you love and your family and your thoughts and your everything. It's all about you. Everything is about it. Like Twitter, Instagram, everything is about that. Because that's the way the world has taught us to live. Like it's about me. Everyone look at me. And because I have this good thing, I only use Facebook to post Christian things. So we make make a way to put God in our life everywhere too, you know? I'm not against Facebook or Instagram or anything of that. You can use it however you like. But I would suggest to just love Jesus first. So like Jesus did not die and rise again so that we could have a better life circumstantially. You know? He he died and rose for us that that in the midst of any circumstance, we remain the same and, not, and we're not ruled by our emotions or what happens around us. So like, I'm not going to pray, God, help my boss to treat me better. I hate the way my boss treats me. Pray that you get him saved. 
And that, yeah, that he would know you and he'd come to the truth, God, because it's just very annoying. It hurts my feelings all day. And so I'm like, in a sense, that sounds right. You want that guy to get saved and so on. But you're, the only reason you're praying for that guy is because he's annoying me. Because <laughs> it's all about me, right? Like, Jesus didn't die for that. He didn't die and rise again so that I could have a really nice time at work and, and there's no, hot, no trials and none of that. Jesus actually promised that we would have trials and that we would have persecution. And the more that we step out in God and believe what he says, we'll have more of that. He said, if people hated me, people will hate you. If people spit on me, they'll spit on you. If people killed me, they'll kill you. If you go as far as Jesus, people will kill you. People will hate you in their heart. People will either be so convicted that they'll change or they'll go the other way. One of the two. And we are salt and we are light. No one can ever come into this room. We wouldn't talk like this. I'd say, Dad's too bright in here. Could you turn up the darkness, please? You can't turn up darkness, right? You'd say, could you turn down the light? And if we're the light, Jesus says, he's the light of the world. And then he says, now you're the light of the world. So we're all lights, and we can shine as bright for Jesus as we like. It doesn't matter if you're in a room with everyone that is a Satanist and hates Jesus. You walk in there, and you're the brightest thing in the room. All that darkness can't turn, be turned up. There's nothing they can, they can do about it. But you can put a basket on your head like the Bible says and cover yourself up. That's what you can do. No one else can do it. The devil can't do it. No one else can do it but you. That's a pretty cool thing. You can just stretch it a little further. Get a little more bold. Say something, you get brighter. And that darkness will either change to light or run away. You know? Very cool. Um, I just had this circumstance in my head. Um, you know, how, how did Jesus react on his, his darkest day, you know, his darkest hour when he was about to get crucified, right? Like that was, like for any of us, that would be, that'd be a hard day, right? You know you're going to die. And he knew Oh, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that every one of his disciples were going to betray him. He said, you're all going to do it. And they swore, like, no, we won't do it. We'll, we'll die with you. We'll die with you. They all said it. They all said it. We'll, we'll, we'll stay with you forever. And Jesus like, oh, I know you're not going to. But So he's, he's going down to the Garden of Gethsemane and his darkest hour, he knows he's about to get taken in and questioned and beaten and killed. And, and he see, goes and prays to God, and then he comes back and sees his disciples are sleeping. He's like, can't even, can't you like stay up and pray with me? And then he went back and came back again, and they're still sleeping. And then he went back in, came back, and he's like, okay, time to get up. He's like, what's going to happen is going to happen. And, and then Judas came and betrayed him, and and then everyone scattered. They ran away. And so his darkest day, he's getting betrayed by all his friends. 
his best friends he lived with and traveled with for years. He knows them all and he poured his life into them, taught them everything he knows. And he knew that they were going to betray him. He didn't say like, oh, you bunch of hypocrites. You just say one thing and do another. Like, he doesn't act like that. And it's not because he's Jesus. It's because he's love. Because he loves them. He loves them more than his own life. And, uh, Luke, I think Jesus even says um, something like, after, after I leave, for, or after you leave me for a short while, even after, I think this is like after they all just promised that they were going to be with him. He's like, yeah. at, and then he's just like, after you guys all leave me for a short while, don't be discouraged. Um, what does he say? Something like, you'll be re encouraged and then bring everyone back together. Hmm. And, and the Holy Spirit will come? Yeah, or something like that. I'm just like, that is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and uh, what happens to us in the midst of our darkest hour? I mean, it's no, it's no time to look inside, right? What, what happens if our friends betray us? The first thing we do is we call someone and ask for prayer. <laughs> it's all about me right away. This what he did. Made me feel this way. Can you please pray for me? I'm feeling so bad. I lost my best friend. We're constantly thinking about us. Why is it so hard? Or why is it so easy to to pray for ourselves instead of that other person? Something happened to that person. He's ending a relationship or doing something wrong. Whatever it is, that person's hurting. We should be hurting for them, not for ourselves. You know? If someone betrays me, if I'm walking in love, I should be crying for that person, not for myself. That's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus did. He did that plenty. And if we can't find it in the life of Jesus, it shouldn't exist in our life either. And uh, I lost my place here. <coughs> so, oh, I kind of missed this part here, but just uh, we're praying, right? To be intimate with God and to pray to God. We have to be we have to be vulnerable and talk to God the way like the way that we talk to someone we really love and really know. Right? And like the way that I talk to God, what I say to God, I read my Bible, I worship God, I spend as much time as I can with them. I want to be with him. The want is there all the time. And so often it's, it happens that I'm there. I'm in this place with God. If I'm around people or by myself or whatever. But what I say, I feel like God is just telling me to like just be vulnerable right now in this time. Like What I say, how I talk to God to be intimate with him, I just, I say, 
Dad, I love you. Thank you so much for changing me. I used to be this garbage of a person, and now you totally transform me. Thank you for giving me the most perfect wife, most perfect little baby in this, in a home, in a job, and living in a great country. Dad, you're so good. You're so good to me. I don't know what to ask anymore. If I have feelings that are just contradicting what your word says, God, I'm, help me to learn. Help me to know more. I want to get to a place of perfect faith, God, where I'm just like you, where I pray for everyone and everyone gets healed because if you were there, it would happen. I love you with everything that I am. And I want to do everything in my life for you. You're my purpose. You're my life. You're my joy. You're everything to me, God. You're my everything. I don't want anyone or anything else besides you. I just want you. And I love you. And I want to love you as much as you love me. That's how I talk to God. I want to be just so vulnerable with him. I don't need to just beg him for stuff all the time. Like, imagine if we came that way to our partners or to our friends or whatever, just coming to a friend, I'm only coming to you because I need something from you. Like, that's what, that's what little kids do because they're, little kids are selfish. They need, they need to grow and that's all they know. They need to get saved one day too, <laughs> you know? But like, yeah, being in that place of, like really deep, not caring. Not caring about anything else but your relationship with the one that you love the most. It's a good place. So yeah, if you can't find it in the life of Jesus, it should look and sound silly coming out of me. You know? People are like kind of off topic, but if uh, you ever heard someone talk about healing and they didn't believe in healing, one of the biggest things that I always hear is like, oh, God doesn't heal everybody. Or how do you know if it's God's will that that person be healed? Or whatever. And I'm like, put those words in Jesus' mouth. How would that sound? Jesus says, oh, sorry, God doesn't heal everybody. That's impossible. Every time Jesus prayed for someone, they got healed. 100% of the time. All the time. All the time. There's not one service in the Bible where it didn't happen. And then when I say that verse, people will bring up, oh, when he went to his hometown, he said he could only do little miracles, this and that. Heal a few sick people. Because you know what happened in his hometown? Where people... I've had this experience too coming, here, coming to my hometown from being away on missions for a long time. I say all these testimonies and all these amazing things that God's doing. And no one wants prayer. No one wants any of that stuff. Because they see me, oh, you're just John. I know you. You know? That's what they see in Jesus. Oh, you're just Jesus. We know you. We know your brothers. We know your sisters. You're not someone special. I mean, I'm not special. I'm the son of God, just like everyone else. But, like, if someone has something that I want, I'm going to go ask for it. <laughs> if I need healing and I hear some guy saying, you pray for 100 people and they all got healed. Whoa, 
I'm going to go ask that guy to pray for me. You know? That's how it was in Jesus' day, too. A lot of people didn't get healed because no one came to them. Can you tell me any story off the top of your head where, where uh, Jesus went to someone to pray for them? Like, almost all the time, every story in the Bible, somehow someone bumped into Jesus. Or Jesus was at a place and he was preaching and then people brought people who are sick. Jesus is not going out to the hospitals and praying for people. That's not, that's not how he did it. People came to, came to him. They always came to him. Because when you see something in someone that you want, you do whatever it takes. If you knew for certain, 100%, if I go to this person, they pray for me, I will be healed. People will come from all over the world. Yep. All over the world. They'd spend their whole life, all their money, whatever it took, they would, they would come to that person. 100%. And those are the big, that's, that's like healing. That's big in our eyes as, as Christians. But Jesus, you never heard Jesus complain. Not once. You never hear him arguing back at someone. He never hated someone. He never... Yeah, he never held account of people's wrongs. He did everything love, everything that we just, just read. If we can't... If we have some kind of idea or doctrine in our head saying... Oh, I prayed for that person. Oh, it didn't work for me. I tried this and I tried that. If you try to put those words in Jesus' mouth, it just sounds silly. And we're supposed to be like Jesus. It starts up here. It starts knowing what God says. Being intimate with God. That's getting to know your word. Being in your Bible as often as possible. And but like that, that intimate time with Jesus will change your life. Completely. Um, uh, can we turn to uh, where is it? Psalms eighty six, verse eleven. Psalms eighty six, verse eleven to seventeen. Does someone want to read that? So this is David praying. It's the way that he prayed. Eleven two seventeen. Yeah. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart, so that I may honor you. With all my heart, I will praise you, O Lord, my God. I will give glory, I will give glory to your name forever. For your love is for me. Your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. Oh God, and so let people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me. You mean nothing to them. But you, O oh Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Look down and have mercy on me. Give your strength on your servant. Save me, the son of your servant. Send me a sign of your favor. Then those who hate me will be put to shame. For you, O oh Lord, help me, help and comfort me. This is just one of many prayers of David. But this is 
just so good. He just, well, God called David a man after his own heart. It's like he's always looking at the heart. He's about love. He, like, even when he screwed up, he screwed up big time. Big time. You guys know the story of David? He was a good guy, good warrior, good king, everything. Believe in God. David and Goliath, it's the same guy. But in the same story, he was on his roof one day. He seen this lady showering. I want her. And he got her to come up there. And she was married. And, and her husband was a soldier. He sent him out in the front line to get killed. So he basically murdered him and married his wife. That's not a good dude. <laughs> but God's still like, this is a man after my own heart. Because he repented and he was, he was, he was sorry. He didn't want to do that. He knew he made a mistake. He knew he made a mistake. He was like, I love you, God. I'm sorry. And he went on. Like, he moved on from that and didn't live the rest of his days as this guy who did that. Yeah. Um, and I'll just read one more scripture. John 14, 1 to 11. This is Jesus talking. Said, don't, uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have, uh, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me. Where I am, I'll be... Sorry. So that you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. And the disciples say, No, we don't know, Lord. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I saw that place. That was funny. Jesus said, And you know the way that to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said. <laughs> We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on... Verse 9 said, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time? Oh no. Seven, I think. Seven, sorry. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. I thought this passage of scripture just showed 
like the intimacy between Jesus and the Father. Jesus knew he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And that same thing with us, when God is in us fully, fully God is in us, all of us who believe in Jesus. And the guy's like, you, Jesus said, you, you'll know the way where I'm going. He's like, no, we don't. What are you talking about? Like, Jesus is the way. His life. He said, if you see the Father, if you see me, you'll see the Father. So he's saying, if you see the way that I live, the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I treat people, that's what the Father does. That's how the Father looks. And that's how we're supposed to be. But Jesus is like, don't you know who I am? I'm the way to get there. I'm the way to get to thinking like I think, like the Father thinks, to acting like the way that I act. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is life. He is real life. He is what the the whole purpose is. Yeah. Does anyone have any questions on anything I was sharing? Being intimate with God? Does anyone think of that and just feel like that's going to be a struggle? Or don't know exactly what to do or to say? Or, or it's just awesome and easy and you can't wait? Or what? It is, it is very simple. The Bible says, but I always feel like Peter fail all the time. How? What do you mean? <laughs> like, did you just take you down and screwed up again? That's how many <laughs> people are. Yeah, but being intimate with God, it's like if we know, like I said, we have to know who, who God says we are. We got to come into it knowing I'm not some sinner, I'm not some horrible guy now. Even though I said 10 seconds ago, God don't see that. God sees what his purpose accomplished through Jesus. We are perfect, holy, sinless in every way, just like Jesus. And we will live that out and see it lived out only when we believe it. If we don't believe it, we'll always be in that place. Oh, I'm going to screw up. I'm going to screw that. And, and that has to be, you've got to remind yourself every day if need be. If you need to remind yourself every day, just do it every day. And eventually you'll believe it and you'll walk out that way. There's no time frame. There's no like box. You do this and you'll get there. You just love God and want to be with God. Forever, because when this is all over and we go to heaven and we get to the new earth, like God's gonna be there. It's just gonna be with God all the time. So, yeah, I wanted to just play a couple songs, and I'm gonna make it nice and loud. So no one's embarrassed by each other's voices if you want to sing. I encourage you all to sing and do whatever. But as well, like, this is one way of worshiping, okay? To sing to God through song. 
But it's only one way. It's not the way. We worship God through the way that we live. Okay? When we obey God, when we do good towards others, love others, when we spend time with Him, when we read His Word, when we treat people the way that Jesus treated people, that's worshiping Him. It's loving God. It's being on purpose for God. I'm not doing this for me. Jesus didn't die so that I could have a perfect life. He died so that I could help people see who he was and then they could know that Jesus sees them as perfect. Yeah. So, you guys can uh, you just stay in this area at least. You stand up or sit down or whatever. I'm just going to have two songs here. Oh, yes, I do. 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 Oh, yes, I do.